Welcome to Vicious Talk with Benny P. Coming up, we're going to be doing our week three NFL preview. We got some fantasy advice as well as um, just a little bit of some gambling tips as well for heading to the week. Bringing back my good friend and co-host, Connor Larson. Welcome back, buddy. Hey, what's popping, Benny? What's popping? Man, we got washed in our bets last week. We did. We had a, we had learning lessons abound. We went. I went over four. My best bets. You and in, in your personal dough stuff that you were telling me about. You know, it was it was a week to forget, to say the least. You know, at least we we did well in DraftKings, and we so did. There's at least that we both our, cashed our, there. I feel like our floors are our floors high in our DFS stuff. I feel like we we with the with the ability to spread out your risk. And your reward across a, fu- a full DFS roster, it's tough for us to really just completely crap the crap the bed in our DFS. Right, we did better on the player props and, and the the fantasy than the uh, the football outcomes, but it was a little bit of an unpredictable week. So definitely, definitely not too concerned. Yeah, the um, for me, there was like a lot of just learning stuff where I probably overreacted to maybe Philadelphia in week one. Um, and, the Saints. And yeah, the Saints are really a, a surprising team in week two where they just really didn't show up to play well against the Panthers. Jameis looked like Jameis again. And um, really just the learning lesson is take week one results with a grain of salt. You got you to gotta sift through, you know, loads and loads of results to get the, the gems that you, that you could interpret from these early weeks because teams are still developing still learning their teammates you know developing game plans against opposing defenses and offenses and um, just all kinds of movement across the sport early on especially yeah and that that's why we've been seeing the trends we've been seeing where the the unders are performing well you know teams don't quite have that chemistry yet and so underdogs are also looking better than uh you know the favorites thus far in the season and that all points to teams not fully gelling or playing up to their potential as we expect and it also points to some overreactions from week one like you said yeah and speaking about those trends you know away teams i've actually you know it's kind of surprising we're seeing fans back in the stands and you know you would think home field advantage is back and it's going to impact teams especially because they took the year off from those crowd noise and impacting games but that's kind of been the opposite here early on away teams are covering against the spread 59.4 percent of games that's 19 and 13 and the favorites have covered just 34.4 percent of these games 11 and 21 underdogs 65.6 percent of the time are covering road dogs even more so 72.22 percent of the games um in 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 the early going here are are they covering home favorites 27.8 percent not a lot of home favorites covering against the spread they're five and 13 ats so um sorry they've they they've covered five they've they've lost 13 against the spread so it's a pretty Mm -hmm. big difference discrepancy there keep that in mind as we head forward into week three a lot of unders and the over and under went, uh, point totals are also hitting. Oh, unders are, you know, in non-overtime games. Um, we, we saw this trend developing in week one. Not as not as significant in week two, but it's still 58.6% of games thus far are under. That's 17 versus 17 unders versus 12 overs. Uh, there was three overtime games thus far that have all gone over. In week two, though, we saw eight unders, seven overs, so a little bit more evenly split, but still something to keep an eye on going forward i think um the crowd noise is going to be impacting maybe some point totals but maybe i overestimated the impact of the fans coming back into the stands early on yeah it was a trend last year where 
have not having very limited crowds the uh, it seemed like vegas was really still overestimating the home field advantage where the away teams were really successful it's it's interesting thus far to see that trend continue into this season it's not something you would have expected certainly all right connor we're going to uh, dive into some of our favorite games here for the week three slate of matchups. We'll finish off the podcast with some fantasy stuff um, and also our DFS lineups. Sound good? Absolutely, brother. All right, buddy. I highlighted eight games for us. We're going to do just half the matchups to try to cut down on some time. Um, we'll, we'll give some best bets and some analysis on our website, all things analysis. Try to give a pick for each game on there. But to start here with the podcast, just for time's sake, we're just going to do the eight games. Let's kick it off with the Arizona Cardinals and the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Cards are favored by seven and a half points. 2-0 Arizona heading into week three. The over-under win, uh, point total in this matchup, 51 and a half. What are your thoughts here with the Cardinals-Jags matchup here, Connor? Through the first two weeks of the season, Kyler Murray has looked like the best player in the NFL and a legitimate MVP candidate. He's really seen that second to third year jump. He's playing like he did at the beginning of the season last year. He looks healthy. And this Cardinals team is a lot better than I initially thought. You know, they didn't quite blow out the Vikings, but they were competitive once again. Their offense is performing. Uh, Their weakness is the defense, but I don't think that's a big concern against Jacksonville, what looks like a very discombobulated team right now. Yeah, the defense is actually, I mean, the, the the opponents they face maybe put up some lackluster um, performances against them, but the defense has been surprisingly decent so far. They rank sixth in defensive DVOA on the season. I'd expect, um, you know, that probably to regress towards more league average, but still encouraging results from that Arizona defensive unit thus far. Really, I want to highlight in this game, I mean, obviously, the, super, the superlatives, superlatives for Arizona. <laughs> the Arizona's look great. Kyler, like you said, MVP caliber, and really love what I've seen from the tertiary offensive weapons that they have here because, obviously, the connection be- between Kyler and DeAndre Hopkins last year was something special. And it was, it was you know, one of the most elite duos in this game. The problem was there wasn't really much outside of that. And we've already seen early on, Rondell Moore is here and looks excellent in his first two games as an NFL receiver. Coming out of Purdue, second-round draft pick for the Cards. Looks like he's poised for an explosive rookie season. And I've really liked what I've seen from him. We were on him early after week one last week. If you were listening to us and picked him up in your fantasy mat and your fantasy leagues, you know, best uh, best wishes. Send me a thank you card, please. And um, <laughs> other than that, in this matchup, you got we're talking about the Jags here. All right, I want to talk about the Jags because Trevor Lawrence, obviously, first overall pick heading to the year. And we've seen some horrendous results. Not just bad. We're talking about horrendous, historically bad over the last couple decades, over the last 15 years. Through the first two weeks of the season, Trevor Lawrence now has the sixth worst completion percentage over expectation. That uh, is the only quarterbacks that were worse than him. This is a bad list to be a part of. Jamarcus Russell, Blaine Gabbert, Josh Rosen, Tyler Thigpen, Matt Moore. Really not quarterbacks you want to be spoken with in the same sentence. Trevor Lawrence off to a horrendously terrible start in his NFL career. The accuracy has not been there. Really worrisome for those receivers from a fantasy perspective. Like I said last week, DJ Chark was the guy to keep an eye on in terms of the under on his yardage total. Had a bad week last week. Uh, you know, I'll take another thank you card for that one as well. <laughs> 36% of Lawrence's passes thus far have been deemed uncatchable. So that means if every catchable pass he's thrown gets caught, 
That's a 64% completion percentage. That's like what league average, just maybe a little bit above. That's just that's every. Wild. That's it's that's if every pass that was even catchable was caught. That's mm-hmm. that's terrible, terrible. It's a and, very low starting base. And this is all despite the fact that Football Outsiders is ranking the Jacks offensive line so far fifth best in the league overall right now. So the offensive line is not the problem. It's Trevor Lawrence, and, and it's we like receivers. those receivers too. You know, yeah. that's a that's a good trio. Yep, and the receivers aren't getting open for him because, uh, really, it's the fact that you know he he's trying to fit into tight spaces, and even when they're even when they're getting separation, Lawrence has not been accurate with it. So a lot of problems there, really worrisome trends developing for the Jaguars. This spread really feels like it's a trick them. It's a trick. It's a trick me spread because really, what's preventing me from just dumping all my money, betting the house on Arizona minus seven and a half based on what we've seen so far from Jacksonville? Because it really seems like they're trying to trick me with this seven and a half. What do you think? Yeah, it feels too low because the Jags seem like probably the worst team in football and the Cardinals seem like one of the hottest teams in football and yet the line's only seven and a half. I think the Panthers-Houston game had like an eight-point line and Houston's been a frisky team this far in the season. So, you know, they're giving the Jags even more credit there. I I don't know. It, It doesn't quite make sense to me. Right. And it's you know it was I think it opened up at seven, bet down to seven and a half. Really hasn't seen a lot of movement, so it's it's kind of odd that you think that this line feels like it's too easy to be true. And that's what that's the only reason why I'm cautious here. I might actually just cheat tease the uh, the Cardinals to be safe, but that seven and a half really I don't see how you pick the Jaguars with this because I haven't seen anything positive coming from Jacksonville so far this season. You um, tease it down a point to give yourself that seven to touchdown win. Tease it through the tease it through the seven. Tease it through. You could tease it through the three even, um, and you could get some value. There's a lot of teaser opportunities here in week three. I think I even threw together a, a, a probably a, a poor bet in terms of expected value, but I think a pretty safe combination of like four or five different legs of a teaser. Um, I think there's a lot of opportunity just to get some get some, you know results the w's in the win column here for for week three in terms of gambling but going back to this game i i want to talk about the cardinals offense because look they've been explosive so far they've been really really good on offense and the one thing that i think they can improve upon is if they just start using 11 personnel more and using rondell more as uh, more often and the 11 personnel right now they're they're using it at 59 percent um, sorry, their their success rate on eleven on eleven personnel is fifty nine percent, but they're only using it thirty nine percent of the time. The league average on eleven personnel is fifty eight percent. They're using twelve personnel actually a pretty good amount of time. Thirty one percent of their plays are in twelve personnel. That means two tight ends are on the field. The league average is twenty three percent of these uh, of the usage of twelve, and they're only succeeding forty one percent of their twelve personnel plays. They are using a decent amount of four wide receiver sets. That's ten uh, ten personnel. 58% success rate in those formations means all their, you know, they have a good receiver combination here um, with Christian Kirk, AJ Green, and Rondell Moore alongside DeAndre Hopkins. But 58% success, 61% success passing. Kyler has a 133.0 passer rating in those wide receiver, full wide receiver sets. So very encouraging stuff. I think the more receivers, the better. I don't think, I don't see a lot of optimism besides um, in the, from the tight end position here for Arizona. So I know. Oftentimes, um, in the modern NFL, 
12 personnel seems to be a, a really good passing formation because you look like you're going to run the ball and then you pass. That's not really been the case for Arizona. they got to steer towards their strengths, use these receivers to the best of their, their abilities. I think we should see some more 11 personnel. And if they do, their offense is going to, only going to be getting better. One player prop I want to talk about here before we get to the picks, Connor. Kyler Murray's longest completion. I think it's going to probably sit. The player props haven't come out yet, so I don't really have a number for you here. But I like this up to maybe even 40. I think the mid-30s is probably where it's going to end up, maybe high 30s. I, I got this tip from the Sharp Football Podcast. I really liked it. Jacksonville's defense, their secondary has been their biggest problem all year thus far. And that was kind of the, the thought coming into the year. They've been picked on downfield early on here. 30% of pass attempts against Jacksonville have been at least 15 yards downfield. The next team, that's the worst in the league. The next team is 25%. So we're talking about 5% difference from Jacksonville to the next team. And Tyrod Taylor in week one had a 9.6 intended air yards per pass attempt. And then Bridgewater, who's not really known for stretching the field, kind of a more conservative pass uh, passer for the Denver Broncos in week two, had 11.4 intended air yards per pass attempt. That's really, really far. Um, really means that he was stretching the field. He had a long completion last week of 55 yards to Cortland Sutton. I like Kyler Murray to have a long pass play in this game, explosive play. You know, we I think we've seen that early on, that Arizona's capable of that. I really like this prop, Kyler's longest completion, over 40 yards. Yeah, that's, an, that's a solid bet, knowing how explosive Kirk and Moore are. I, I like that pick. All right. What's your pick here, Connor? Are we both on the cards? Yeah, I, it's a pretty easy one for me. All right, pencil that one in, or, you know, pe- uh, pen that one in. I think we're pretty sure I like that. about that one. We got Sharpie con- that thing. Sharpie that one. It's permanent marker. Permanent marker in this bitch. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Tattoo that mug. <laughs> Arizona minus seven and a half. All right, Connor, next matchup, the Colts <laughs> the Colts against the Titans in Tennessee. Tennessee's laying five points here to the Colts. The over-under uh, point total here is 47 and a half. Really, the question mark heading to this is whether or not Carson Wentz plays. Spray, sprained both his ankles last week against the Los Angeles Rams. Really weird play. Carson Wentz just on that play in particular just depicted what we've seen from him over the last year and a half really just the quarterback trying to do too much on the football field got him hurt in week two against the rams what are your thoughts here heading to this match between the colts and titans uh you know the titans really turned it off turned it around last week after a sluggish week one indianapolis they didn't really change anything it kind of was a repeat so i'm i'm going to be leaning Tennessee to win this game and, and to do it pretty handily. I'm not fully convinced about Wentz. And if Jacob Eason ends up being the starting quarterback, I'm definitely not convinced no, about definitely, him. Yeah. And Eason's worse than Vegas Wentz. Exactly. Well, yeah. <laughs> who knows? <laughs> I know Wentz is that bad, but come on. Like Eason has shown no signs of success in the NFL so far. So really well, he's only had what five snaps. Yeah. I just, I'm not an Easton guy. Um, Tennessee, like I said, had bounce back week two. Derrick Henry, man, I was worried about that week one performance. Comes out in week two, 35 carries, 182 yards, three touchdowns, had nine first downs on the ground, had three explosive rushing plays, a 51% success rate running the ball. And then he does it with, in the passing game too. Six catches, 55 yards, three first downs, had a 100% success rate receiving the ball. So Derrick Henry was all over the field, was a one-man wrecking crew, really just wore down that Seattle defense last week, earned Tennessee the victory in a, in a game that they had no business you know, winning that, that last week. Seattle had, had their number early on, and Tennessee really just turned it around. Great win from them in week two. 
really in the in this matchup between the Titans and the Colts, it's an it's an AFC South battle, and these are the two teams that most people expect one of them to win. And the Colts here in Week Three feel like this is the most make or break you could get in week three. I know it's early on 17 game season, but we're talking about going down Oh three and you just lost. If they lose this game, they would be losing to their biggest divisional rival and the quarterbacks injured. You know, if, if once doesn't play and they lose this game, that's going to be so deflating both teams here. Um, pretty, you know, mediocre early on. So it feels like a pretty evenly matched game. And if once plays, I got to tell you, I think, both these defense have been, defenses have been struggling. I actually like the over on 47 and a half, but really I think that's the big curveball here. And I, I'm staying away from this until I, I get some sort of um, confirmation on Wentz's status because um, this game, it means a lot to Indianapolis. And I think Wentz is going to do all he can to get into this lineup. But with two sprained ankles, I don't know how you, man, I don't know what that even feels like. You used to sprain your ankles all the time back in the Holy Cross gym, dude, in that Never old field house. Never twice at the same time. I can't even imagine. Are you sure? I feel like you were, you were walking around. <laughs> imagine, man. Falling like a penguin with two sprained uh, All right. The Colts are 9-1 straight up against Tennessee on the road over the last 10 games between these two teams. So Colts have been doing really well in Tennessee in recent history. The total between these two teams has gone has gone over in five of their last six games. The total has also gone over in six of the Colts' last seven road games. So a lot of trends pointing towards the over. Really just got to see if Carson Wentz plays. My pick here, though, I got to be leaning Indianapolis plus five just because they're desperate. They're I know Tennessee got a big win last week. And I, they're not going to be necessarily taking their foot off the gas considering this is a divisional rival game. But this just means more to the Colts early on. There's, if they lose this game, I don't know how the rest of the season looks for them. It's going to be very depressing for them. This is a must-win matchup, as as must-win as you could get in Week 3. Yeah. Uh, it's, it, it's tough sledding right now for the Colts. Starting your season off 0-2 is a very strong predictor that you're not going to make the playoffs. So it'd be really a, a death toll if they uh, were to lose in week three. And Carson Wentz historically is not someone who handles the pressure. I don't know if he's able to step up and say, you know, I'm brand new on this team. I'm already 0-2. <laughs> I've got two sprained yeah. ankles. And you're expecting me to beat my divisional rival and a team that's coming off a, a huge morale booster in their last victory. I, I just don't see it happening. No, I feel you there. I, I'm not a big Carson Wentz guy, but I'm just playing the the. Uh, I think I'm just playing the over. If I, in terms of putting personal dough, like I'm picking the Colts plus five because I'm optimistic for their. I just I think they're just going to be desperate and they're going to be taking out pulling out all the stops. But really, I just haven't liked what I've seen also from the coaching and their play calling because last week, you know that first drive they had they got into the red zone against the Rams had a chance to put points up on the board. And they disco and they get a turnover on downs. They get stuffed three times in a row, and then uh, sacked on fourth down. Jonathan Taylor, man, that was def- that was just deflating. And I don't know why Frank Reich just what's wrong with three points there. Just take the three points. There's this huge like trend across the sport that you know it's 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 trendy and it's cool and it's statistically positive to go for it on fourth down. And look, there are instances where that's the case, but. If you're a confident team, if you trust your offense to get points, just take the three. It's the first drive of the game. You got so much game ahead of you. Just take the three points, take the lead, get out to the early lead, and, and you know trust your defense to get the stop on the next on the next set of downs. I don't. I did, I hated that. 
and that was pretty that was pretty um I don't know something I, I checked against the Colts heading to this game I just I think that in terms of the way that these teams are heading into this matchup I think the Colts and the points is just going to be a better value for me as long as Wentz plays yeah fair enough all right some player props I'm keeping an eye on here I think longest reception for A.J. Brown is something you'll keep an eye on. Yardage totals for Julio and Michael Pittman. And anytime touchdown score, I kind of like for Zach Pascal, someone who's been finding the end zone often lately. And um, really just a reflection of these pass defenses ranking 29th and 30th in pass DVOA so far. I know neither of these passing offenses have been great. 48% success rate. That's right around league average for both these two teams passing the ball so far. But these defenses in the secondary have been horrendous in the weeks one and two. I like the passing attacks in this one. And like I said, I like the over. Yeah, I I feel very similarly. I I like the progression that we saw from Michael Pittman last week. He really stepped into that number one role. So if you're talking about the explosiveness between both offenses with his progression, I think it should be a shot for shot matchup. Surely. All right, buddy. So you're you're on the uh, Tennessee Titans in this one? Minus five and a half? Minus five? Gotcha. That's correct. All right. Let's go into the next game. Washington football team taking on the Buffalo Bills. In Buffalo, the Bills are favored by seven points. The point total is 45 and a half. The Bills just dominated the, the Dolphins last week, 35 nothing. Washington squeaked out a victory on Thursday night against the Giants, getting coming into with some uh, coming to this matchup with ten get ten days of full rest here for the football team. Um, I think it's a good matchup, and this this seven point spread feels like it's just too big because I think these two teams are going to be a little bit more evenly matched than some might expect. We're seeing some troubling trends here develop for, for Buffalo. Also, this is a team I was highly optimistic for. I put a little bit of money for them to win a Super Bowl. I was put a little bit of money also on Josh Allen to win the MVP preseason. And there's just some things that I'm not I'm not liking what I'm seeing. And I think, you know, some of these trends are maybe suggesting that maybe 2020's breakout for Josh Allen was a little bit of a, a one, one-off type of deal. I don't know that he's 2019 where he goes back to completely being a very inaccurate passer, but... I think a lot of the problems are developing with some footwork, and that's something that's troublesome. Um, Allen's completion percentage is negative 6.1 over expected, um, and, and that's an NFL next-gen stat. That's That ranks only that ranks higher than only Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Jacoby Brissett, and Tua Tagovailoa, Tagovailoa with a minimum of 23 pass attempts among players. Uh, you know, pass pass uh, throwers in the NFL. That's not a good company. That's not a good company to be a part of. He's really not uh, meeting expectations so far. And really, I know it's tough to say a quarterback was bad when your team wins thirty five nothing. But that defense for Buffalo was excellent against Miami. Plus the injury early on to Tua did not help. And um, Matt Milano was unbelievable. Their linebacker for the Buffalo Bills against the Dolphins. Superstar talent. He was pressuring on 63.6% of his blitzes. Seven pressures out of 11 times he blitzed last week. Was covering the running backs, the tight ends. He prevented throws. He had five total tackles, two tackles for a loss, one fumble recovery and a sack. Just was all over the field. Complete, Completely changed that game against Miami. Made just life hell for Jacoby Brissett and the, and the Dolphins offense. What are you thinking here for Washington and Buffalo, Connor? Well, along that same vein, talking about kind of fading Josh Allen this year a little bit, um, you know, Devin Singletary and Zach Moss were highly involved last game, scoring a couple touchdowns, very effective on the ground, both of them. And if the Bills this year are going to say, hey, 
you know, we relied too much on Allen last year. This year's decision-making doesn't look like it's, you know, at its peak. Let's lean on that running game. You know, you might want to fade Josh Allen if you're thinking about some player props or you're thinking about your fantasy lineup, DFS, that type of thing. It doesn't look like he's going to be quite the same player and the same game plan coming out of the Bills offense this season. Yeah, I concur. And, and really, we're on the other side of this football and this matchup, you know, you got the Washington football team had a, a big morale victory against the Giants last week. Really, I know you're a Giants guy. That was a heartbreaking loss, but... Um, just some wild mistakes. stuff and, and really, really encouraging performances though from Taylor Heineke, someone who actually I think gets underrated consistently just because of his pedigree, not really a name brand guy. I know he's literally a name brand because Heineken, but um, <laughs> just not really someone that people have respected a whole lot. And I know the big, the big playoff game against the Bucks last, last, uh, last year, we had that diving name. touchdown. Chase and, was um, like slapping him on the back. He's Heineke. Yeah. And, I think he's just someone that just kind of gets underrated and he's, you know, he's a league average quarterback and that's really the kind of type of production that they, the Washington football team wanted out of Fitzpatrick when they signed him in the offseason. And I think Heineke is going to be this guy that's just kind of league average. He was 15th last week in quarterback rating 99.5. He had a 57% success rate on 35 out of had thir- uh, completed 34 passes out of 45 uh, attempts 76 percent completion percentage 336 yards two touchdowns one interception he had three explosive plays that that touchdown pass he had to um donovan people not Don, ricky seals jones in the back uh, corner of the end zone was very impressive and uh washington's offense you know was actually what was what their saving grace was against the giants because this defense has actually been somewhat disappointing in early going considering how good they looked last season a lot of people kind of snuffed this one out in terms of their schedule last year. Didn't really suggest that maybe the defense was a little bit of some fool's gold. But they're 18th right now in defense so far in the uh, in the NFL. Washington is and uh, Buff- Buffalo's offense coming to this matchup again. If Washington's defense isn't there, Buffalo's offense is going to have to show some improvement this week if we're going to be considering them to be you know in that contention status. Yeah, I think that you know we we clearly overrated Washington's defense. Uh, coming into the season and and we did mention in in your in our previews you were very clear to highlight that you know the level of quarterback they faced last year was not strong um but you know we thought they were going to be a lot better than what they've looked like especially against the giants daniel jones they they didn't create any you know high impact plays there were no turnovers which is something surprising out of uh danny boy and he I, i was encouraged by the giants performance even though some other mistakes cost us the win um but I, I think Josh Allen will be able to somewhat get right in this game. My feeling is that the trend in the running game that they showed last week doesn't continue. Um, what we saw all from them last season, and you know, we we have some information for the preseason as well, where you know these running backs weren't highly involved. Zach Moss, Devin Singletary, and so with Washington not being as effective as we think, their defense looking very overrated based on the preseason ranks and josh allen coming into this game and i don't think they continue the running game i think they're going to be highly effective and score a lot of points and i'm actually leading buffalo in this one and i think josh allen figures out the passing game with stefan diggs no i, I personally hope that that's the case i think I, buffalo is a team i had a lot of personal stake in preseason and a team that i think could turn it around maybe the first two weeks were a little bit of an adjustment period for them but 
based on what I've seen so far, if, if Washington hopes to be a decent team this year, there's no reason why they shouldn't cover the seven-point spread. If this was, you know, a five or like a three-and-a-half-point spread, I'd be slamming Buffalo. But seven points is just too much for me, um, especially because it's not six-and-a-half even. And um, I think this is a one-score game. And Washington's, Washington's offense, I think, is a little bit underrated while their defense has been overrated. You know, this offense has been pretty solid across the board for Washington. And I think we're going to see some points here. And 45 and a half is a, is a pretty tasty over-under total. I like the over. One of my better bets of the week here. I'm leaning Washington plus seven, though, on the game. The, the trends on the season would tell you that the underdog and the away team is probably the better bet against the spread. So you're lo- logistically making the smarter decision there based on the statistics. Uh, I just have a feeling. I have a feeling about the Bills. All preseason, I thought they were a Super Bowl contender. So that's why I'm leaning on, on the Bills right now. No, I don't blame you there. And I think, look, I, I just bought a Josh Allen rookie card. I'm a little, I'm really hoping for the Bills. But um, like I said, you some pretty, a Josh Allen rookie card and go ahead and take, go against some pretty troubling the next stuff. Bet. Some pretty troubling stuff developing there. Um, Buffalo against Washington is five and zero against the spread in the last five matchups between these two teams. So that does bode well for the Bills. The Washington football team though is four and one straight up over the last five road games. So they've been playing well on the road. Total has gone under in five of Washington's last six games when playing against Buffalo on the road. So that bodes well for the under. I just think t- tr- things are trending towards the over. And this lo- this over-under line, 45 and a half, feels a little low. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you on the point total. All right, let's talk about, this is one of the best games of the week, the Chargers versus the Chiefs, an AFC West matchup between two teams ranked in a lot of people's top 10 in their power rankings. I think I have the Chargers around 11th. I know you have them a little bit higher. So talk to me about the Chargers and this matchup they have against the Kansas City Chiefs. But before you do, let me give you the spread. Kansas City Chiefs minus six and a half. The point total is 54 and a half. What are your thoughts here, Connor? While I do have the Chargers eighth overall, I think you have them 13th actually. So composite comes right out, right out to 11. Um, yeah, I just, I still believe completely in, in this offense and this defense. They, really were able to shut down the Cowboys and Washington week one and two in terms of offensive output. Uh, they were able to, the, the Cowboys were able to run the ball a little bit, but it certainly wasn't the explosive performance that we saw out, out of the Cowboys in week one. And I, I'm a believer in the Chargers offense and Justin Herbert. I think you know, similarly, similarly to Josh Allen, he got off to a little bit of a slow start this season, uh, but as the season progresses, I expect these quarterbacks, which we think are ultra talented, to kind of start to hit a groove. And we're going to see a trend of uh, the over starting to hit. We're going to see a trend of these guys performing better based on the past season's expectations. No, I feel you there. And really, I'm trying to stay away from picking this game outright. I, I lean Chargers plus six and a half. I'll start off with that. But Kansas City, just they don't cover the spread, but people like betting them. They, I think they're what two and thirteen or something like that over the last fifteen games, I believe. They, against they the find spread. out to win games, but not cover. Yeah, and, and really, it's it's a matter of like you said. I, I said this last week. They like to play with their food. They kind of let Baltimore back into that game last week. It really felt like they had that one under control, and then Baltimore, you know, with the with the big turnover, the fumble against Ed, Edwards, Edwards there. Yeah, big uh. fumble from him. And it shifted the, the momentum of that game, obviously, and it, and it cost the Chiefs, the, the honestly, the result of in the end. But 
Um, the Chargers last week had a loss of their own. They, they face a really good team in Dallas. I think Dallas is looking really good in the early going here this season. And some troublesome stuff with the Chargers is it feels like they have a great offense. They move the football, and then they don't score points. And that was kind of their MO mm-hmm. last year. If you remember, I think they were they were one of the teams the league's leading offenses in terms of yardage, but they were not one of the team leading uh, teams leading in points scored. So it was just right. kind of a lot of inefficient, empty yardage totals. And I'm really hoping we don't see that again developing this year. And in the early going, it seems like that might be the case. I don't know. I, I, right now, though, if you, you got to make a pick on the six and a half point spread, I lean the LA Chargers. Chargers are five and one against spread over their last six games. I got to tell you though, the Chiefs are looking good in terms of the uh, the, the the actual matchup in a football sense. They're twelve and two straight up against LA over the last fourteen matchups between these two teams. Yeah, I see it similarly. I think there's value in the six and a half points for the Chargers. Um, if you're feeling bold, I do think the Chiefs win, but they don't cover the spread there. And so you could kind of call the Chiefs, but not to cover the spread in that middle ground, you know, Chiefs win, but not cover. If you can find that bet, I well, think you get a, some pretty good odds and that's kind of their tendency. This is a teaser um, possibility here too, but I'll tell you, I'm not teasing the points here. I mean, I'm not teasing the, the Kansas City Chiefs down to, I think you could tease them to, to 0.5. So basically I pick them, but what I'm what I'm teasing is the point total, 54 and a half. I really like the over in this game, but I just want to make it a sure thing. I'm teasing a 54 and a half down to, I think 48 and a half. And really, I think it's a story of the Kansas City Chiefs defense. They were exposed last week. And Baltimore just really showed a lot of teams. They put in a good script for teams to face the Chiefs going forward. And really, on the defensive side of the football, the Chiefs were exposed. And this defense is bad. They've given up 938 yards. They're the worst team in terms of yardage total given up on the season. And obviously, a lot of that has to do with their offense. But... Their well, defense hasn't been stopping anything. Yeah, and in terms of from a real football perspective, I think the Baltimore Ravens showed one strategy that could post to be successful against the Chiefs is, you know, they took Tyreek Hill out of the game. They double-teamed him on almost every play, and it did open up some avenues for guys like Travis Kelsey and McCole Hardman and other guys in the offense, which is just the nature of the beast with the Chiefs. Not CEH. Right? <laughs> Unfortunately for you and your fantasy teams. But... Yeah. I think this is just like, you know, the Chiefs, the offense, we know they score points. They know how to score points. But if the Chargers offense is going to be what we think they could be with the guy like Herbert, who we all project to be a major superstar, a mega just staple in this in this league going forward as a guy, the face of a franchise, quarterback who, who's going to excel, we need to see him put up stats against a, a, a bad defense and an opposing offense that's really good. So... I, I really hope this is a high-scoring game. I'm staying away from betting on you know the uh, the spread with either team, but I'm really liking the over 54 and a half, and I'm I'm even down to just tease it down to 48 and a half. Get that sure thing. Yeah, the only reason I'm I'm hesitant on the over here is because I I thought last week the game was going to smash between the Chargers and Cowboys. I thought that was going to crush the over, no, and it really Cowboys- ended up being a pedestrian outcome. Yeah, but that was a weird game. You know, there was only one punt in the game, and there was not a lot of a not lot a lot of, of points scored. And yeah. it was um, some un- some costly turnovers in the red zone from both teams. And there was instances I think where like Herbert threw an interception, or there was a fumble, and then there was another inter- interception on the other side. Like there was just like exchanging of just bad Time plays and penalties, no and just lots of just messy stuff. And I think that you know the chi- I, the Chiefs are one of the teams least penalized teams um one of the league's least penalized teams 
So I, I think it's going to be a little bit different. They're well-captained. They're yeah. Yeah, very, very clean offense and very clean defense. I see what you mean in terms of last week kind of underperforming in the point in the point um, margin, but I do like the over here. Mm. All right. Next matchup we're looking at here, the Chicago Bears and Justin Fields taking on the Cleveland Browns in Cleveland. The spread here, the Browns are favored by 7.5 points. The over-under point total, 45 story of this game justin fields his first career start you know last week he got into the game after andy dalton bruised his knee fields was six for 13 46 percent completion percentage for 4.6 yards per attempt had 60 yards had a passer rating of two uh, 27.7 20 percent success rate one interception no touchdowns kind of a disappointing you know first taste of extended action for fields but really the stats kind of are a little bit deceiving because you know darnell mooney if he caught that ball that Fields threw him in the early going when Fields first took the field, that could have been a big play for him. And Allen Robinson dropped a touchdown catch. Um, and, you know, those two, if they if they connect on that one, on those two passes, the, the stats look pretty different for Fields. Um, but, you know, now the game plan is going to be built around him. They had a full week of practice. He goes into this matchup. They're going to be able to steer things towards his strengths and his, you know, his abilities as a, as a play caller and a passer in this offense for the Bears. Um, and, and I really liked what it, what Robert Mays with The Athletic pointed out too. That interception last week was really tough to hold against him. Um, Logan Wilson, the cornerback for the Cincinnati Bengals, baited him into an uh, interception that resembled something very similar to the way that he did the, he did the same thing against Lamar Jackson in 2019. That's MVP Lamar Jackson. And he, he, baited, he, he basically comes under and he hides the coverage and he, and he sprints back upfield and gets the interception and logan wilson was um you know just picking on a uh a, a less experienced passer in justin fields and it worked out and it was it was like robert mays broke down the film for this um and it was like an identical play to the way lamar jackson got picked off in um in 2019 so i wouldn't hold that against him too much i'm looking forward to this first performance from fields what do you think connor yeah out of this draft class i thought fields was going to be the most relevant as a starter so i'm very excited to see him take the field in his first nfl start i think he's going to be very effective um against the browns i I know they have a decent line but it's not a team that's looked infallible on defense and i think he's going to have his opportunities i like his weapons with alan robinson darnell mooney and montgomery's a decent pass catcher so i think they'll be effective moving the ball i think it's an upgrade over andy dalton i get it's his first game but he had a full preseason and he had some game action last week so i don't think he's going to be knocked over the head i mean coming into a game mid game when you're not expecting to play it has to be one of the most difficult things you can expect out of a quarterback especially when you're switching schemes mid-game so i expect them to be a lot more efficient this week against the browns look i am optimistic about justin fields and his future in chicago i really like the player i hate the matchup this is possibly the worst matchup one of the worst matchups that you could have asked him to come in for his first start on Next week, he's facing the Lions. You know, that's going to be a good one for him. Let's see how he looks against a team like the Lions, one of the worst teams in football. But this is really tough. I mean, you look at the the, the battle in the trenches here between the uh, the, the line, uh, lines on both sides of the football. Chicago's offensive line is ranked 24th in the league right now. The Browns have the ninth best defensive line. 
and they're they're pressing the passer very well this year. And on the other side of the football, the Browns have the second best offensive line. The Bears have the 21st best defensive line. That's a really big mismatch there. Cleveland's gonna have uh, the Browns are gonna have their hands full with the Cleveland pass rush on the on their offensive side of the football. They the Browns they rank fifth in team pass rush win rate 56 percent of the time they're winning on their pass rush. The Browns are so. The advanced statistics are really loving Cleveland thus far this season. They look great. I show it in my, in my power rankings. I think I had them fifth overall, looking like they might be climbing up as the season goes on as well. A team that I really like going forward. They're first in offensive success rate so far, Cleveland. They're, they have a 63% success rate on offense. We need to see some better defense from um we need to see the, the the Browns perform against a better defense. They haven't really faced a whole lot of competition thus far, but I don't think that's going to be this week. Chicago's defense, is, they're not the same as they used to be. So um, I really like Cleveland here. Cleveland minus 7.5, I'm taking that. All right, I'm on the other side of the ball. I'm going to go with the trends on this one, uh, and I'm going to take the, uh, the underdog here. I'm going to take Fields in his first start. Yeah, I know. I'm going against what we talked about early on. I, the, home, the, the home favorites are not covering right now. Um, but really, it's just, I think Cleveland's a better team. It's a rookie quarterback. When you have a rookie quarterback and you have a mismatch on the line, it really seems to pose a problem oftentimes. Cleveland is 4-1 and one straight up in their last five home games. Chicago, is, although in this matchup between the two teams, they're 4-1 and one against the spread over the last five games. So that does bode well for you there. The total between these uh, between Cleveland's last five games, so just the Browns, you look at their total over the last five games, it's gone over in four of those. So um, maybe we'll see some points scored here. And the I look, I'm really looking forward to Justin Fields there. I just think this is the this is the wrong week for him. Yeah, I mean the the Browns point total is only plus six right now at this point in the season, so a little bit surprising because you know you you would have thought they are performing better than that, but they've actually been in some decently close games. Their defense isn't in the lower half of performance, while the Bears are you know closer to the top third. Uh, so I, I think there is a little bit of an advantage there, enough where I think the Bears can cover that that large of the spread. But I do expect the Browns to likely win. I just think the the trends we've been seeing on the season and and what what kind of the dimensionality that Justin Fields brings to this offense. Uh, another thing to mention is that Jarvis Landry is expected to miss this game. He's out. Odell Beckham no, he's out. should he's be on the IR. And Odell Beckham should be coming back on the field or is expected to. I'm not sure if that's a good thing, actually. It could throw a wrench in this offense when you have to adjust your scheme to fit in a star player like Odell when, you know, the wide receivers aren't heavily targeted. It's been a tight end and running back-led offense. And, you know, Odell's going to need to get his or, you know, he can really stink up a locker room. Yeah. Keep an eye on Odell this week. Um, someone who I, I've, been, I've been avoiding uh, – any sort of Odell thoughts, but he's back this week, and that's that's something. You know, that's something. He'll be in one of my one or two of my DFS lineups, kind of as a home run, an out there play, a long shot. I feel you. All right, man. Let's talk about their next matchup here on the docket. This is the game of the week: Tampa Bay versus the LA Rams in Los Angeles. The Bucks are favored by a point and a half. The over/under point total is fifty-five and a half. It's a great matchup. Two great teams. I don't see how you, you really feel confident about one side or the other here. Los Angeles is 7-1 against the spread over the last eight games against the Bucks. But, look, we talked about just uh, – this is some really good teams here. And 
I have these two teams first and second in my power rankings. I expect to see a good amount of offense. I'm staying away from the over from uh, 55 and a half because that's just too high. I don't think there's a lot of value in that. So that's a tough, it's a really high point total. Talk about how the unders are are a little bit of a value early in the early going here. Um, but the, all the Rams also are tied for averaging uh, the third fewest amount of plays per game right now. Their, their, their pace of plays is pretty slow. And um, on the contrary, though, the Bucks actually play really fast. The Bucks are... Their second in pace of play this year so far, 24.6 second, seconds per play. Um, so kind of contrary styles here, but two teams that have just found the, the, the success meter and been pushing it all season long so far. What do, you think, what do you think about this matchup? Two just really excellent NFL teams. Oh, it's a fantastic matchup. I, I have the Rams third overall, but you know, two top three teams, two top two teams based on your estimation. And, you know, it, it really is something that we would love to see again, you know, late in the playoffs. Um, it, it's going to be wonderful to see Tom Brady go up against this Rams defense, which gave him a lot of trouble last year. So, you know, he has a full season under his belt. They're clicking on all cylinders. Brady wants to break records. I'm, I'm telling you, he's Arians is going to let him do what he wants. And Brady wants to break the passing yards records. He wants to break the, you know, passing touchdown records. He wants to cement himself as the greatest of all time for all time. So he's not going to let up against this Rams team. I don't know if Matt Stafford can keep up. You know, the Rams haven't looked like this team, the the defense, it's always so highly touted. And and I'm always a little bit underwhelmed when I actually watch them. I get Aaron Donald is, you know, a fantastic defensive player, but there's only so much he can do. And, and there are weaknesses that can be exposed against this Rams team. You know, David Montgomery ran really well against them in in week one. I, I think that, you know, that's something that could happen again. No, I, I feel you there. Uh, this, is a, this is a great game. I, and I, I think we're going to see a lot of offense because, look, no Sean Murphy bunting, bunting for the Bucks. We talked, we, uh, we heard about earlier in the week how they reached out to Richard Sherman, not someone you really want to be linked to right now. Um, and they're desperate for some help in that secondary. They've been struggling. And the Rams, like I said, the defense is good, not great. They're decent, but they're, they're not what they were last year. Um, and if you do like the over here, I'd probably lean towards the Tampa team total of 28 over over their team total rather than the uh, the actual game over of 55 and a half. Like I said, Tampa's second in pace of play this year, and uh, I think that I'm more confident in their offense's ability and their consistency rather than I think if the Rams win, I think it's because they're you know they're gonna um, maybe hold the football, manage the clock, and uh, maybe go under on the point total, but. The key is to get pressure on Brady to, you know, make him uncomfortable. And that, that's how they're going to win the game. And so, sure. you know, it would have to be certainly some defensive plays that well, disrupt the offense. And that would point to the gonna, under if the Rams are going to win. That's not going to be easy because the Bucks offensive line ranks first in the league right now. So we'll just keep an eye on that. The under mm-hmm. in this point total as well is just they've hit un, uh, the point totals have hit under in eight of the last nine Rams home games. So that bodes well for Los Angeles because they usually win their home games. Um I'm picking the Rams plus one and a half just because uh, I'm taking the points, the home team. And I just, this, is, this is a coin toss of a game, though. And I, I really what I'm looking at here is I think this is a great value. I saw this on FanDuel plus 700. Double result bet. Tampa Bay in the first half, Rams in the second. I know for, uh, you know the team with the lead at the, in the, at the end of the half in the first half wins 80% of the time. But... You look at these two teams and the way they trend first half versus second. Tampa Bay, they have the fifth best rank in the first half successful play rate. But in the second half, they're 19th in the second half success rate and just their overall offensive success rates. 
The Rams, on the contrary, they rank 19th in first half play success rate, but they're third in second half play success rate. So the Rams are finishing strong while the Bucks are tailing off so far. Tampa is an awesome team that, you know, maybe if I, you know, gunned to my head, they got to pick just straight up who's going to win this game. Probably pick them. Probably pick the Bucks. But the Rams are a great team as well, can very well win this game. And plus 700, I think that's an incredibly great value, especially because of the, the way that these two offensive trends kind of go in opposite directions as the game goes on. Do you have any worry that Daryl Henderson could be missing the game here? That's a possibility. Um, I could probably, if I had to bank on it, I'd probably say he plays, but it's because it's more or less, a, it's a cartilage thing, probably just dealing with some pain. Kind of like Tony Michelle still though. I think he's a good he's a good running back, and I think actually as the season progresses, we'll actually see him develop into a bigger role. He might be thrusted into that a little bit earlier than expected in week three here. Um, but he's one of the better backups in the league. I'm not too worried about it. It's not great, but he, that the that no Daryl Henderson is not going to move the line significantly one way or the other. Yeah, I think the game plan will largely not be centered around the running backs, knowing that that's Tampa Bay's defensive strength. And, you know, Sean McVay loves to plan around his opponent specifically. So I think it'll be a pass-heavy game either way. Like yeah. you said, pushing for, towards that point total. Um, and, you know, Cooper Cup has just been outstanding. So Unbelievable. I think if I'm Matt Stafford, I'm just going to throw him the ball every play. It seems like it works. Right. Cooper Cup's been great so far. I mean, I, I don't know how we missed that in the preseason. I really like Woods and Cup, but um, the thing with, with Cup is, like, he just seems to be the ideal fit for Stafford. And I don't know how we didn't think that he was going to be even better. Because I was high on Cup, but I just missed him in both my fantasy drafts and really wished I could have snagged him. I think he's he's going to keep it going. You know, not the wide receiver one, but top 10 finish at the end of the year definitely seems like it's a possibility. Yeah, I, I only have him on one of three fantasy teams, and I'm sure glad I do. And he's still an extreme value in DFS. I'm sure we'll hit it on it later, but I played him last week, and he carried my lineup, and I think he could carry some lineups again. All right, where are you picking on this game, Rams or Bucks? I'm going to go with the Bucks. They're still, you know, they, they the took over to the number one spot in my power rankings, and one and a half points is not enough to discourage me from taking the reigning Super Bowl champs and, and Tampa Brady. So, <laughs> all right, Ben, I can see this one being a field goal game. So I think it's one where it, it's it's coin flip. I, I don't I don't I don't hate that pick with the Bucks there. All right, let's go into the next matchup, an NFC battle here possibly another uh nfc another version of an nfc championship game that we could see these two teams looking really good or well, the packers more or less high variance but the 49ers have looked great so we're talking about the green bay packers at the san francisco 49ers the spreads minus three towards the packers i mean the uh the niners sorry over under point total 50 and a half this is to the sunday night football game what are your thoughts here connor heading to this one I mean, it's hard to pick against Aaron Rodgers in prime time. He's just so great in big games, and they did look a lot better in the second half of last week. So if that's the trend that they're going to continue, I think they're in great shape. San Francisco, obviously, is one of the best coach teams as well. Um, but I'm not totally convinced. As well, I hate LaFleur. I think LaFleur is a terrible <laughs> coach. I think he's bad. I, he's, I don't think he's like worse than the league, but he, I think he's bottom half. I mean, he coached the team to 13-3 and three last year, so it's it's tough to nitpick on a team yeah. that has that much success. 
But yeah. I get it. You know, you could say that he's underperforming with Aaron Rodgers, who should be, you know, on a top three team every year just based on the fact that you have him <laughs> as a QB. Mike Lombardi, uh, on, uh, he used to write for The Athletic. Now he, he just has his uh, GM podcast. It's like GM podcast or something like that for football. He's excellent football insider. He likes to call LaFleur LaFuck. <laughs> yeah, he's he's not a LaFleur fan, and uh, he's got a lot of evidence to suggest why that's the case. Um, but look, you look into this matchup, the Niners, I think, are one of the league's best teams. And I think I ranked them seventh in my power rankings heading into week three. I, I could very well see them creeping up even further as the season goes on. They've looked excellent. They really give me off like a Patriots vibe almost, where they just like, they don't dominate, but they they don't really feel like any of their games have ever been really in danger. And I know it's only been two weeks, but this team just really gets how to game plan. Last week, the Eagles came off that week one win with an excellent, excellent uh, week one performance against the Falcons. They head into week two, and they did the, they forced the Eagles into the exact opposite of what they succeeded in in week one. The Eagles in week one against the Falcons were excellent in, in high probability, short yardage throws. Hurts' uh, average depth of target was like three point something, 3.5 or so in week one. It shot all the way up to like 11 in week two against the, the 49ers. He, he was he was ha- he was forced into to throwing a lot of deeper downfield passes, low probability, high risk type of throws, and the Packers did that to him. And they did that. They forced him into a game plan that wasn't what they were trying to do and what they succeeded at best. And I think the Eagles on their side, like they're going to have to adjust and, and they'll probably they probably will going forward. But the, the, the point is, like, the Niners know how to game plan. Shanahan's one of the best coaches in the league, if not the best right now. Um, really just love what I've seen. And, and I think what's interesting, too, is a lot of people in, in the rookie quarterback debate, we got five teams with rookie quarterbacks that were drafted in the first round. Lance has probably seen the least amount of playing time so far, right? So Lance was someone that a lot of people were high on coming into the year. And this is one of the best situations for a rookie quarterback to be in in San Francisco. And... I think that it's I, 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 in terms of the immediate success of the 49ers team in 2021, I really like the fact that they're sticking with Jimmy Garoppolo. I think it gives them the best chance to win. We talked about a lot in our preseason preview. Shio, Shio Kapadia with The Athletic went into all this rookie quarterback stats. It was excellent research. Basically developed the fact that, you know, rookie quarterbacks over the last couple of decades have a 23% chance of being above average. The rookie quarterbacks just don't do well on, on average. And there's a rare cases there are there are outliers, guys who are just better than the mean the mean guy. But I just I think Jimmy Garoppolo obviously gives the Niners the best chance to win. And I know that it's, if you have Garoppolo out there, it's a little more of a conservative offense. Maybe if Trey Lance was there, it'd be a little bit more boom bust and some bigger plays. But I think Jimmy G keeps this floor high, this team successful. Really like what I've seen from them. Yeah, it's it's a fair assessment, but I think the overreaction week one on the Eagles might have us looking too highly on the 49ers. They didn't look, you know, outstanding against Detroit. They didn't the like put them away. I, I do. I think the Eagles are good. I, I like Jalen Hurts, but it was a 17-11 game, I believe, was was the final outcome. So it wasn't like, you know, this masterful win by the 49ers. And, and they let the – they let the Lions backslide all the way into in, covering the last game and winning, what was it, like 33 or 38, 33 or something like that. So I just I haven't been overly impressed by their wins. They seem to do enough. I don't know if it's well, like a Chiefs thing where they kind of just do enough to beat the other team. Yeah. But I, I'm also worried about their running back depth. They've had like their top four running backs all get injured to the point where they're playing guys to, off a free agency. 
It doesn't seem to matter in a Shanahan offense. He just knows when, how to get running back space. Has his, when he has his like you know his group of stallions, it all works because he's got four or five guys that have been on the team for years that seem to always play four games a season between Mostert and Jeff Wilson and that crew. Um, Hasty, another one. Um, but now he's dealing with new players, guys off of the waiver wire, you know, and, and it's like, I, I'm not sure how they're going to slot in and be nearly as effective. You know, that one of their big talents was being explosive in the running game. And I'm just not sure they're going to have that explosive running back available to them this week. And fair so I think it could hinder their offense. It's fair. I, I, Elijah Mitchell, I think is going to play though. So that's definitely encouraging. One troubling trend with the Niners. I'll pay, play devil's advocate. I'll, 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 uh, what do you call it? I'll I'll, I'll tickle your fancy here. I'll I'll, I'll scratch your back here with the with the Niners bashing. Don't here. tell my wife. Um, <laughs> the uh, trouble tr- troubling trends here with the the Niners offense is that they're becoming a little bit predictable. Um, really an eleven an eleven personnel three three wide receivers in the field. They're really good at passing, bad at running. Uh, with a with twelve personnel, two t- two tight ends on the field, two wide receivers. They're really good at passing and really bad at running. And with t- with 21 personnel, it seems to be their most successful formation. That means with you got a, a fullback in the game, one tight end, uh, two wide receivers. It seems to be their most successful formation. That's 31% of their plays have been in 21. They're at a 53% success rate. They're passing the ball at 58% of the time in those formations. So that's a little bit of a better trend. But 17% of their plays also are in 22 personnel. They run a lot of different formations. And they're not really good at either running or passing in a 22 personnel set. And they're running the ball 86% of the time with a 38% success rate in those plays. So just some personnel grouping things to keep an eye on because those are the ways you become predictable as an offense. And if defenses start picking up on those things, those splits, it's going to be troublesome for them. That might be when we start to see some more Trey Lance because he's going to be more of an unpredictable asset for them on offense. So keep an eye on that going forward. That's all I got to say. And it's a solid assessment. All right, let's talk about the betting trends here. I wanted to talk about quickly Green Bay last week. I think their their win over Detroit just wasn't really that impressive. Detroit was leaning it leaning at the half. Packers were bad on defense. Still, they're twenty eighth in DVOA on defense through the first two weeks. I, I just I gotta lean San Francisco minus three. Uh, but look, my best one of my better bets here is the over fifty and a half. I think we see a good amount of offense. The total has gone over in five of Green Bay's last six games. The total has gone over in nine of the last twelve games between these two teams specifically, and the total has also gone over in five of the last seven games between these two teams. I really like the I really like the over here. Um, two teams in Green Bay. Sorry, that last stat. So. Um, I think that you know a lot of things just pointing towards there being a lot of offense here, just kind of being a back and forth game. Aaron Rodgers is going to throw the ball. I think the you know the Niners are, have shown that they know how to move the football on offense and in their own right. I like over fifteen and a half points. What are you thinking here, Connor, in terms of gambling? Yeah, I mean the resurgence of Debo, healthy Debo is yeah. outstanding this See, year. The NFL he, next talking about Cooper Cup, Debo's right there. He's just outstanding. Debo, if is he the, can stay healthy. He's the next gen stat darling on the NFL NFL's next gen stat. You look at a lot of the receiving stuff, he's like number one in a lot of that right now. And deservedly so. He's been carrying yeah. this team's offense. George Kittle hasn't really done anything. Who's Brandon Ayuk? I mean, I haven't even seen him on the field. I don't know. Um for me, when it when it comes down to kind of a coin toss line, and I would say a coin toss line being, you know, within three points, especially if the three points is leading towards the home team, which where they're getting a couple points because of home field advantage. 
Um, I typically like to lean on the quarterback. Uh, so that's kind of why I went with Tom last time I, in a head to head in a 50, 50, do I want Tom or Matt Stafford? I'm going to go with Tom Brady in this situation. Do I want Aaron Rodgers or Jimmy Garoppolo? And so that's I'm going to go with Aaron Rodgers. If I think it's going to be a one possession type of game, I'm just going to go with the better quarterback. That's a fair assessment. All right, so we're 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 deferring a few things here. I like it. I yeah, I, you know we're actually going to have a, an interesting week then. You know, yeah. a lot of lot of difference in opinion right now. No, I like it. All right, last matchup we'll talk about for the week: Philadelphia Eagles against the Dallas Cowboys. Monday Night Football. The, the what Cowboys, a fun game! Cowboys are favored by three and a half points here heading into the matchup. The over under point total fifty one and a half. Really fun game, like you said. What are your thoughts here? I might be most excited to watch this game just because of you know the duality of what Jalen Hurts brings to the field. It's so fresh and young yeah. and new. And then at the same time, Dak with Amari and CeeDee Lamb and Zeke Kelly and just the amount of talent, explosiveness on that team. It just, you know, it could be really fun to watch. Yeah. Um the last week though, the Niners really exposed the Eagles offense in a lot of different ways. Like I said, with the Niners game in the last one, um, really just took them out of the game plan. Hurts his his reduced uh, average depth of target from week one didn't get didn't continue into week two. In week in week one he was averaging it like I said three point I think three point three yards per attempt. In week two he was he had nine point nine average um, int- intended air yards per pass attempt. He had a fifty two percent completion rate, seventeen point four percent bad throw percentage. Had a down week um, and really. What was most problematic were the throws to Devontae Smith, his rookie wideout, who I'm very optimistic about. I'm really high on Devontae, um, but had a bad week too. And I think that there's going to be a lot of adjustments that need to be made for the Eagles to develop some better trends here. But, you know, look, you look at Devontae last week, seven targets, two catches, 16 yards, had a 29% success rate on his catches on his work last week. So his average targeted air yards were also most in the league at 234 average so they were trying a lot of deep plays for him and they weren't working and that kind of bodes into the same theme with Hertz just attempting too many low probability throws and they were attempting too many low probability throws downfield smith rather than attempting higher probabilities uh catches in short yardage situations is going to be more successful for them moving the chains getting a better offensive rhythm and i think that's going to be what the eagles need to do um, to develop some more consistency on the offensive side of the football because really just a story of two different performances for them over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, it's a fair assessment. I, I, I mean, just watching the Eagles last week, I feel like they did still move the ball decently well, but they yeah. just weren't converting or there were so many plays oh, that were yeah. like just so well, they close. Had that, they ran the stupid Philly special play on fourth down in the red zone. Mm-hmm. They get, oh, they got cute. They got cute. And Jalen was covered, you know, Terrible. they kind of expected the, it. Yeah. It's like, how, how predictable of a play call can you get? Fourth down next to the, within five yards of the goal line. How predictable do you get? You want a damn Super Bowl on that play. Why the hell would you run it again? Like, ah, it, uh, it just, Grinds my gears when these coaches just like, just take the three points. They were up by three at the time. Take take the three points, go up six, get it in rhythm. And then I think that the they they turned it over on downs, and I'm pretty sure that the Niners came back and they scored on the next the next drive. Mm-hmm. They went 97 yards and scored. So just um, short touchdown on 97 after after that that play. Really big momentum shifter. Just take the six right. points, kick it off, let the Niners start fresh with the with the next set of downs. With down down six, they got to score a touchdown to take the lead. Um, I just think that the, the the trend of just coaches going for a fourth down is just getting out of control. I know it, it, there's these advanced stats that show 
that oftentimes that it, it is the case. And I, I look, I, I'll agree with a good amount of it, but there are certain cases where it's just like, look, there's nothing wrong with taking three points. Just take it. You know, it's it's money in the bank. So I don't know. I'll get off my yeah. Soapbox. Just just to point out that I don't think that you know the the Eagles' performance and point total last week was completely indicative of what their strength is as a team. And I think that game could have obviously, based on that assessment, looked a little bit differently uh, in terms of the outcome or just at least in terms of the final score. For sure. Uh, but that being said, I, I still like the Cowboys in this game and I still like the Cowboys this season. I've just been blown away by their efficiency and the ability to tweak their game plan from game to game, how they were like, okay, we're not going to run the ball at all against the Bucks. That's not what's successful. Let's stay in this game by passing with Dak and, they were fantastic at it. Dak is a, you know, an MVP caliber type of player um, when he, when he's healthy and looks right. And then yep. in game two, they move the ball still very well with those running backs. They completely switched the game plan based on the strength of the defense they were playing. And because of that, you know, Tony Pollard and Zeke Elliott both had, you know, a, a close to a hundred yards. Um, and so with, with that ability to kind of, game plan for your opponent rather than just be like this is who we are and this is who we play against everybody i like that malleability and, and uh their defense definitely looked a bit better in week two compared to week one i don't think it's going to be as bad as they were last year so i do think that the cowboys end up winning Michael this Parsons. division and Michael I, yeah, Parsons is good a very welcome addition to this team and he looks to be a young you know stud for a long time in the nfl if he's able to stay healthy himself so i I like the cowboys in this game and i like the cowboys this season i think you know if you can get dak on the buy low or amari cooper uh, after a tough matchup with well who who was he facing off derwin james last week um a guy who's top of the league in terms of you know defensive players so i like i like the cowboys for a nice bounce back week overall for their entire offense yeah, I'm with you here. I'm, I'm taking a Cowboys minus three and a half. I also like the under. I might parlay those two. Total has gone under in nine of the Eagles' last 12 games, and the total has gone under in nine, six of the last nine games between these two teams. Dallas is five and one against the spread over the last six games straight up. Um, Dallas is also four and one against the spread against Philly at home over the last five matchups. So some things boding well, some trends boding well for our picks here. I like Dallas minus three and a half and under 51 and a half points. Connor, that was good stuff. I think we we broke down. We were able to come games. together at the end and you know finally yeah. pick a pick a game similarly for sure. All right, Connor, let's dive into that. We 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 picked out some uh, some stuff for fantasy football. Wanted to just bring it full circle here. We're gonna we're gonna talk about our DFS at the very end. We'll, we'll spend a few minutes here talking about some fantasy here. Uh, wanted to just we we missed our early our early week podcast and we're gonna get into a better routine. I think what the plan is we're gonna be doing is some Monday night podcast during the game we're recording this on a thursday night game second half they actually just wrapped it up the panthers closed that one out 24 to 9 and i think we're going to start recording on monday night and thursday night but let's talk about one to get the, the point is that i would have been giving this advice to you on monday night but instead we're doing it thursday here wanted to give you some fantasy football long shots here um some guys that i'm keeping an eye on and these are guys that – the reason why we're doing long shots is we're post-waiver period now. You know, your waivers are closed for the week. You're going to be listening to this, and you're thinking about some guys that might be available on your waiver wires in your leagues. Some guys I want to throw out there. We talked about the Niners and their ability to run the ball. And I think in the Shanahan offense, it doesn't really matter who's running the football. I think it's, I think there's value there, especially in fantasy. So give me some Jeff Wilson Jr. I know he's on the IR right now. Coming back probably, what, week five or six? Really like that pickup there. I saw you picked him up in one of our leagues. I think the ATA league is record, right? 
Great Fine pickup bucks. there for, for Jeff Wilson Jr. Also another guy to keep an eye on, if more injuries seem to bite the bite the, the this backfield, Hawkes Patrick. Someone's like, what? Who's Hawkes Patrick? XFL star last year in the XFL. Um, someone who played really well there, and he's kind of like with our fifth string running back or so. He might be forced into some sort of role. Someone who's an ex- he's showed some explosiveness in the XFL. Keep an eye on him. He might be someone to just at least keep an eye on. If you're in a very deep league, maybe throw him on your the last spot on your bench. Another guy, kind of a deep cut here. I actually kind of like this guy heading into the season. I heard some uh, kind of an insider tip from um, Peter Schrager with the NFL Network on the Ringer podcast, the Ringer Fantasy Football podcast, someone who was a long shot in the preseason for him. I kind of liked what I saw in this guy in week two. I think he's going to grow into a bigger role here for the Raiders. Tight end Foster Moreau. You're like, who's this guy? Darren Waller's the tight end in the Raiders. No, this guy's the second tight end. And the reason why I like this is the Raiders run a lot of 12 and 13 personnel. That means multiple tight ends on the field. And they've had a lot of good success. And in 12 personnel, they have a 58% success rate with Foster Moreau basically on the field. And Foster Moreau last week, three targets, two catches, 34 yards, and a touchdown. And, you know, not a whole lot of significant stuff, but you're talking about a tight end position that could get pretty thin fast, especially if you got an injured guy or you got a guy on bye later in the year. Keep an eye on Foster Moreau, someone who I think is his 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 role, I think, is going to grow more and more as the season goes on because Darren Waller gets used in so many different ways, more of a wide receiver hybrid. Moreau gets the opportunity to kind of play the more traditional tight end spot for the Raiders. And this Raiders offense looks great. So I'm, I, you get a piece of it as cheap as a guy like Foster Moreau. Keep an eye on him. Yeah, I like that. My my long shot play would be uh, Deami Brown, the wide receiver uh, for the Washington football team. He's a first-year guy. Uh, three catches last week on six targets. I liked how Heineke looked. I was encouraged by his play. And I think one of these other wide receivers alongside Terry McLaurin will end up stepping up. Uh, you know, Curtis Samuel still out on injury, so I think there's still some opportunity for Deami Brown to see an increased target share. You know, six targets was very encouraging in terms of week two for a first-year player. And he looked really good in the preseason. Uh, he was close to connecting on a couple deep shots. So if one or two of those goes his way, he could be a guy who's worth stashing on your bench. I like that one. Someone who's a rookie with a lot of explosive ability, maybe get some more work in the slot. Something about those slot receivers just seems safer too. So especially if you got a guy like Heineke who maybe doesn't have the arm talent to stretch the field very often. I like that one. I like also Quintez Cephas for the Detroit Lions. Wide receiver had 14 targets over the first two games. He's got a 31.16% of Detroit's team share of air yards. He's been someone that Goff has looked to early and often here in the first two weeks. Detroit's passing the ball a lot. And uh, they're going to be down, probably trailing a lot of games, maybe some opportunity for some garbage time opportunities. Really just tough to get super, super optimistic about anybody in the Lions offense. But if they're going to be scoring points, they, like their offense has kind of been doing decent from a fantasy perspective in the early going here. Let's see if Goff can keep that trend going because it's actually been right around league average in a lot of different ways. Yeah, I, I, Stephus was a guy who played last year too, and he had a couple decent uh, games. So I, I like that pick this year. He's definitely looked like the top wide receiver on the team for sure honorable mention we'll wrap it up here max williams tight end for the arizona cardinals he's third in the league in average yards after catch above expectation 4.3 third in the league that includes receivers running backs you name it he's the next the nfl next gen stats like this guy max williams for the cardinals not really a whole lot of workload to be carved out for him considering how many wide receivers are in this offense but someone keep an eye on especially because the tight end position gets thin fast all right connor yeah. let's do a little Buy low, sell high. We both got three players that we want to talk about here. Um, 
and wanted to give you the opportunity to start this one off. Who's somebody that you're buying low in the early going here in fantasy? I'm buying low on AJ Brown. Uh, his yardage totals really haven't been there, but his target share has been fantastic. He had nine targets and eight targets. He's a big play guy. What would you, you know, pay I for AJ? He, I think his value has certainly dropped and he's a legitimate wide receiver one. So if I'm able to trade kind of like an RB two, um, I don't know, no, maybe like a, a Najee Harris comes to mind or someone like that. Would you who, tra- would you who's trade having CEH? troubles of his own. Would you trade your oh, guy in, in a heartbeat, in yeah. a heartbeat, I would trade CEH. That being said, I think CEH is another buy low because sentiment on him is so low right now that yeah. if you can pick him up kind of for like a wide receiver three, at this point, I would go and snatch him up. That's 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 crazy. Yeah, his value has dropped so low. People are talking about should I trade Ceh for James White? Is uh, is a trade I'm hearing? I'm like a thousand times you should take Ceh if you can get him for James White. Yeah, no, I don't hate that AJ Brown. The guy's got talent up the yin yang. If you can get him on the cheap, I, I just I don't know how many owners who own AJ Brown would be willing to let go of him at a cheaper value. Especially this two early. sub fifty yard games in the first two games, people might get a little worried. Yeah, I like it though. If you could get a guy like that for sure, go out and do it. Let me give you a couple wide receivers here as well. I like. I, I'm going to do two and one. Jalen Rager and Devonte Smith. I kind of like the opportunities for both of them. And we talked about them with the 49ers. The, the Niners' defense was excellent in Week Two against Philly. They were forced away from the game plan that worked for them in Week One. I think we see these two kind of come back to the to yeah. what their Week One performances were more often than not i I, look these guys are probably more in the wide receiver three range going forward but i i like both rigor and smith especially Devontae. i'm so high on him this year really i would i wouldn't hate be relying on him um in the second half of the season after my wide receiver three maybe even vaults up to that wide receiver two spot yeah rager caught a touchdown last week too but he got called back because his foot went out of bounds before catching the ball so another one of those plays where the eagles were right there in terms of scoring and could have been a a big boon to jalen rager's value that's right right, who's the next guy up on your list the next guy i have on my list is george kittle Uh, i don't think debo can maintain the target share that he's been exposed to in in the first two weeks and you know kittle is, is a guy who has obviously a ton of upside based on his athleticism he's coming off of i think less than 100 yards total on the season uh through the first two games but he he's a legitimate top five tight end and so if you can get him for somebody who's kind of popped off early in the season uh, i think he's a fantastic target no i love me some george kittle i got i have him in our uh in our other our secondary league together all right. Do you want to uh, let him go for a good price? <laughs> I'm going to pass on on selling low on George Kittle. <laughs> give me some <laughs> there you give me go. some Tyson Williams, the running rookie running back for the Baltimore Ravens, undrafted rookie running back. He's currently the RB14 in ha- in half PPR formats. He's off to a great start and really, you know, you would think you know buy low. This is a guy who hasn't been disappointing, but the point is that he has his value hasn't hasn't spiked yet in terms of the consistency. And so I, I wouldn't bet against him finishing as the RB14, but I think a top 20 running back finish for this guy could definitely be in the cards. And so if you if you get a trade for a guy like this and you, you're you getting, um, you know, you're trading maybe a wide receiver two, wide receiver three, and you get a, and you get your running back two to solidify throughout the year, I think that's a great value because 
I think if he can improve upon his pass protection, which is obviously the biggest weakness that a lot of rookie running backs have, the sky's the limit for him because the snap count is really um, the major thing because he's only been around 50% of the offensive snaps. But he's averaging 34.3 fantasy points per 100 snaps when he's on the field. He's second in the league in yards per carry right now. Um, he did fumble in the in each of the first two weeks, so that's another thing to keep an eye on. If he were to fumble again, that could really hurt the confidence Harbaugh has in him. But I really like what I've seen Tyson Williams, someone who has been uh, another another darling in the NFL next gen stats. He's done really well in terms of um, a- average yards above expectation as well per carry. So Tyson Williams, someone who I, you know the Ravens love the foot love to run the football. There's not really a lot of options there. He's going to be probably sharing a little bit of the work with Latavius Murray, but Murray's nothing special. I think Williams is going to be the more explosive running back, and he should grow into a bigger role as the rookie uh, guy there, undrafted rookie in Baltimore. I like his outlook. Might be a little bit of a James Robinson situation here for Tyson Williams in Baltimore. Hopefully not a James Robinson situation of this year. Yeah, that was James Robinson last year. He could be a by-low candidate. (laughs) Yeah. All right, who's your next guy up? My next guy is Jonathan Taylor. Uh, you know, Man, you went seventeen way up rushes. There. You went for the you went for the guy the Cadillacs of the group here. <laughs> so he's seventeen rushes for fifty six yards in week one. Fifteen rushes for fifty one yards in week two. Uh, only five point eight points in week two. So this is somebody that could have fantasy managers worried. They drafted him in the in the first round, and yet he's averaging ten points a game. And he's the 27th best running back at the position. So again, if there's a time where I can jump on a guy who I think has first round value, kind of like if you jumped after, you know, Mike Evans last week, a guy who has pedigree, we've seen him perform fantastically on the field and has, you know, the occasional couple of bad weeks. Jonathan Taylor had like five rushes inside the five yard line last week. He hasn't scored a touchdown yet on the season, but he's going to come back and regress to the mean. So I think he's a, a fantastic option to try and trade for now. No, nah, look, if you get, if you get Jonathan Taylor on a discount, you go and do it. Something that we were real high on coming into the year. I like that one. All right. My next guy up, I wanted to list off Kareem Hunt for the for the Cleveland Browns kind of got off to a little bit of a slow start here not too much going early going he's the RB uh RB what is he right now I lost track of that but um he's averaging 38 fantasy points per 100 snaps on the field he's been really getting more or less an equal amount of the touches as Chubb which is kind of surprising because Chubb is thought of to be as the primary guy Hunt kind of gets uh the touches usually when the Browns are the the game's not as in in the critical moments but um, you know, Hunt's been getting a lot of work. And he, while Chubb is probably the more elite guy, I think that Chubb is like a top five guy, but I could see Hunt finishing like RB20 to 24. Well, low end RB2 value is where I would probably have Hunt. And if you could get him for on the cheap right now, off to a little bit of a slower start, uh, Cleveland's rushing attack is just going to be a beast all season. The offensive line, I said this earlier, they're second in adjusted line yards right now. They have, they're averaging 5.25 um, in adjusted line line yards per rush. So, the offensive line's there. The team's going to be good. Kareem Hunt's opportunities are going to be there. I really like Kareem Hunt this season still. I know the slow start's a little bit concerning because they have Nick Chubb back there, but this is a this is a backfield that can definitely support two elite running backs. Yeah, last year with Nick Chubb on the field, I think he was like RB13. He was like RB11 without him on the field. So his role is his role, and he's going to carve out and get his fantasy points. He's the better pass catcher on that team. He's the RB26 right now, uh, gotcha. 15.6 points in week one, but 5.8 in week two. You might you might find a fantasy manager who is a little bit worried by that 
uh, week two performance and might be looking to move on. All right, some honorable mentions. I want to just say Saquon Barkley might be the last week you could get Barkley on a discounted value because heading to Atlanta on 10 days rest uh, might be a, a breakout performance for Barkley. He also saw his snap count go up last week. So keep an eye on him. If you want to, if you want Barkley, go and ask for a trade right now because his value is probably going to keep going up is my guess. Tyler Higby, someone at the tight end position who I was very high on coming into the year. He's been on the field for 100% of the snaps on offense for the Rams. The targets and receiving work are coming for him. DK Metcalf still likely has tons of value considering how likable he is and, the, and all the hype he had preseason. But considering the slow start, it's worth asking about him. He had 11 targets last game. Russell Russell Wilson had a number of explosive pass plays this year so far. Um, none of them have gone to Metcalf, and they, and they will soon. So keep an eye on him, too. If you want DK Metcalf, the value is going to probably only go up from here. I have a few honorable mentions, too. Okay, uh, I think... Robert Woods, too, is another guy in that Rams offense. Just with Cooper Cup soaking up all those targets, week one and two haven't looked great for Higby or Woods, but they're the clear second and third options uh, in, in the passing game. And with how well Matt Stafford's playing, defenses are going to start to key in on Cooper Cup. The ball will get spread around there, and those guys will see their, their yardage and touchdowns increase. So I definitely like that trend. Uh, CEH is a guy that we've talked about a lot on the pod already, but I do think he's a buy low. I think sentiment on him is really low. Uh, and then Antonio Gibson, Alvin Kamara, Amari Cooper, and Dak are guys coming off of less than uh, stellar weeks. So if you can find a fantasy manager who who's a little worried, I would go and attack those players. Uh, just touchdown regressions coming for Gibson and Taylor CEH as well. So uh, those are the guys I like. Gotcha. All right, some sell high candidates. Who you got on first up on your list? Sell high for me, uh, number one, Tyler Lockett. Coming off of two huge weeks, uh, both 30-point weeks, he's done it before. Um, you know, he, this... I would say the Seahawks offense is one of the most difficult to predict in terms of their game plan. Uh, sometimes they let Russ cook. Other times it's ground and pound. Additionally, you have DK Metcalf there. Metcalf will not be this quiet. Somebody who Russ uh, talked about in the same breath as Jerry Rice. So I think Metcalf will start to see the workload trend more in his direction. I think we see some more bust games out of Tyler Lockett coming up. I would sell high after two huge weeks. I don't think it, his value will be any higher than it is right now in the season. Definitely. Um, a receiver who's not shy of, he's been prone to some boom and bust over the course of his career, especially if Metcalf's right. not getting as as heavily involved so far. Um, you could definitely see things swinging his Metcalf's way rather than Lockett's eventually. I like that one. Yeah, if I can go get like Jonathan Taylor for Tyler Lockett, for example, that yeah. I'm pulling the trigger and you might get a manager to accept that because Tyler Lockett's got 60 points and Taylor's got 20. So yeah. it's, it, it is possible. And, you know, so that's the type of guy I'd be attacking if I'm selling Tyler Lockett. Yeah. Now, there's my first sell high guy, Melvin Gordon, running back for the Denver Broncos. Let me list you off the upcoming opponents for Melvin Gordon. He faces the Jets this week. But after that, Ravens, Steelers, Raiders, Browns, Washington football team. That's five pretty, pretty good rushing defenses, the better defenses that he's faced so far. Also, Javante Williams, the rookie running back for Denver. His role is going to continue to grow. He's already splitting the rushing attack usage both uh, last week and week one. Both running backs got 13 carries last week. Williams is also more successful in his work. Williams had a 62% success rate in week two. Gordon had a 31% success rate in week two. Um, things are just trending towards the direction of Williams being their guy in Denver. If you could go and get something valuable for, for Gordon, I would do that immediately. I would definitely sell my Gordon stock right now because things will plummet and plummet fast. As soon as Williams takes over the bell cow role, 
you're done. It's too late. So I would definitely try to sell my Melvin Gordon stock as soon as possible. Who's your next guy up, Connor? Next guy up for me is David Montgomery. Um, I, I, after a good week one and he looked very, uh, solid in week two, not great fantasy output, but as a runner, he's looked very solid. Uh, if Justin Fields ends up taking this quarterback position, I think David Montgomery loses a lot of touchdown equity. Uh, Fields ran a ton in the second half of the last game. I think he had 10 designed runs or at least 10 runs total. Uh, and if there's going to be that much level of rushing, I think that just David Montgomery will inherently see less opportunities. So somebody who where sentiment is very high on him right now, he looked really good in week one and two. Uh, Damian Williams is also cutting into his workload a bit. So it's not like he has the backfield all to himself. While I like the talent, I do think the opportunity starts to decrease. And that's why he's a sell high for me right now. I like that one. All right, give me some Mark Ingram in the sell high. Mark Ingram, someone who maybe doesn't have incredibly high value, but he's rostered in a lot of leagues. And I think maybe the sell window might have been after the good week one. I think he had 14, over 14 points after week one. And if you could get something usable for him, something that like a wide receiver two or three, um, probably more than the wide receiver th- uh, three, or if you could use him in an upgrade as a, as a bulk, you know, an add-in for a trade, get an uh, upgrade at tight end or upgrade receiver or something, I think that's going to be incredibly useful because Ingram, you know, right now he's, he, when he comes into the game, he, the te- op- opposing defenses know they're running the football because they have so many different res- running backs in Houston it's difficult for them to create consistent trends in terms of usage because you bring in Lindsay, you're going to pass it. You bring in Ingram, you're going to throw it. I mean, um, you're going to run it. And then um, David Johnson, David Johnson. Uh, it's a little bit of a mix of the two, but um, Ingram, you know, right now has seen 50% of his rushes against stacked boxes. That's incredible. That's incredibly high. That's number one in the league. That's higher than Derrick Henry. Who Derrick Henry every year gets incredibly high rates of stacked boxes, but Mark Ingram, we can all agree is no Derrick Henry. Um, he also has gone negative eight rushing yards above expectation this season. That's not good as well. Um, if you could get something for Ingram, I would definitely do that because you're probably going to end up dropping him eventually at this rate because the Houston D, uh, offense is just going to be leaning more and more towards passing the ball, I think, and, and better work for Philip Lindsay and uh, maybe even David Johnson as well. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. He was actually on my list as well. Uh, I, luckily, I have some backup. So All right, give it to definitely you. a sell high on Mark Ingram. Number three for me, Rob Gronkowski. There's no way he continues his uh, amazing touchdown total, uh, four on the season. So I don't think he's going to end up with 34. Regression is coming. There's too many talented pass catchers on that Tampa Bay offense for him to maintain that target share and and that touchdown share. Uh, So for me, a a guy who has a large injury history and, uh, you know, just expectations, I mean, an outstanding run if you can it, it include uh, the Super Bowl as well. <laughs> so it's like yeah. six touchdowns in three games, right? Uh, yeah. Definitely a sell high. I think people are in love with Gronk again. Uh, he's a character who's on on TV, so you might even you know a lovable Popular. player just because yeah. of just because of his popularity, you might get more for him in a trade. Yeah, he was one one of my honorable mentions. My last one, and this one pains me to put him on here. I'm going with Aaron Jones as a possible sell high candidate, Ooh, and someone look, on your team. I hate I hate to put him here, um, but he's a major trade chip that could fetch like a really large bounty, and so that's why I'm putting him here. I think if if you're if you're gonna if you're gonna be a savvy fantasy owner and you're gonna try to um, just kind of play the 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 highs and lows of the year, trading is gonna benefit your team often if you're willing to do it. 
And Aaron Jones just comes off this four-week touchdown um, game, a four-touchdown game um, on Monday Night Football against the Detroit Lions, who are one of the worst teams in football. He also he has a lot of negative uh, advanced stat stuff against him. You know, you, he's got the second worst rushing yards above expectation in the league. That's negative 35. You know, by the way, your, your boy CEH, worst in the league, negative 37. He had the four touchdowns in week two. His his value is sky high. But look, his, his average yards per carry, three and a half on the year. He might not be the RB1 that the pack if the Packers aren't a great team. Like, it, you drafted him as your as your RB one in all likelihood, and he he might be at the best lower tier RB one at this rate. I just I think the efficiency numbers aren't there. Touchdowns are one of the most um, variable stats in fantasy. Really tough to predict touchdowns as they go on in the year. Also, AJ Dillon was somebody that a lot of people liked preseason. His role might continue to grow as the year goes on as well. I love Aaron Jones, but if you could get a big a big hole for a guy like this, I think it's it's worth pursuing worth um you know kind of looking into it at the very least yeah i like that some other sell highs for me just honorable mentions henry rugs off of a huge game really like big rugs. up and down guy i like rugs i don't like the vegas offense is good i like rugs i don't like that one yeah i mean there's too many pass catchers with waller and edwards and then Kenyon drake so they a lot of mouths to feed first I, round he was the, f- I, you know, he was very variable last year. I think that variability continues. So I'm going to capitalize. I think he's more of a John Ross than an actual impact player. I think right. he has a couple of big games a year. That That's my take there. Uh, and then Devin Singletary, just coming off of a big game, people are like, oh, the bills are going to continue to run the ball. I don't think that's sustainable. Uh, so I think he outperformed what, what we were expecting last week. And it's a great time to sell high in him, especially with Zach Moss being back now. All right. Let's wrap it up here. Let's talk about some guys that we rostered in a lot of different leagues and you feel uncomfortable just dumping them and sending them to the free agent wire. Tell me if you dump these guys. You're cool with me dumping them. Mark Marquez Callaway. Oh, dump them. Trevor Lawrence. Dump them. LaVisca Chenault. Keep them. Chenault's got me worried, especially with Trevor Lawrence. I think those two are kind of linked, but I, I, I feel like they're it, yeah. probably a higher potential. Hold it a little bit. Russell Gage. Dump them. Someone who I really liked coming into the year, but yeah, it pains me to do it. Russell Gage, I'll see you later. Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry. Dumped. Yeah. All right. I think those guys are on a lot of different rosters. I would probably dump all of them. Yep. Makes a lot of sense to me. The only reason I'd hold Chenault is because we saw week one, the target share really went into uh, DJ Chark's favor. Week two is Marvin Jones. So it seems like there's going to be some variability and maybe he's able to find uh, more of a niche role where he can be sustainable, especially if Trevor picks it up a little bit, but no reason to hold cool. Trevor either. All right, cool stuff. All right, Connor, let's talk about some daily fantasy for week three. Let's kick it off with your lineup here. Read me through the guys that you're going with in your DraftKings daily fantasy roster for week three. So before we do that, I thought we could air one new segment as well. Uh, I have, you know, oh, like the, the game segment. you used to play. We uh, we used to do, you know, start them, sit them, cut them. They were obviously different words back in high school and college. But kind of I'm going to give you a three players and you have to categorize them. So not necessarily that you would actually cut these players, but out of these three, you know, kind of rank them. All right, I'll play So start them, sit them, cut them. CEH, Miles Gaskin, and Mike Williams. That's a tough one. Three players it, it, probably kind of three? in that flex territory. We're talking week about week three, three? And, and week three and beyond. Okay. Um, I probably start Gaskin, bench 
Williams. Uh, it's really <laughs> tough. I'm not high on Alaire. I'm not. Yeah. But I hate to cut him. Like, who, who's going to cut CEH? I would trade him. Not that you'd actually cut him on your team, but it's just more of the the rankings. Because, you know, in the original game, you wouldn't actually kill the person <laughs> who's in that third spot, right? So. Yeah. No, I, I, I really, I don't, I, I want to say cut Mike Williams, but the, the, the results have been showing that like, you know, they want him to be the number two receiver in that offense. And if Herbert, you know, Herbert, we were someone we're really high on. If, if he, if Williams is going to be his number two guy, so long as he stays healthy, you know, that's a big if, but Williams has been excellent in the early going. I like it. All right. You ready for round two? Sure. Uh, I got Sterling Shepard, Elijah Mitchell and Corderell Patterson. Um, full PPR. <laughs> I'm starting. I'm starting Shepard, benching Mitchell, cutting Patterson. I don't think Pat. Right. I, don't, I don't think Patterson's legit. I think Mike Davis. You think will, it's a fluke? Yeah, I think Patterson will be more or less uh, kind of like a like a, a niche in their offense, kind of like just a, a occasional tool they'll break out. I think Mike Davis is going to be their guy. Yeah, I, I stashed him on a few benches just for now, but definitely the player I'm most likely to cut out of that trio if there's no sustained kind of future for what we saw last week. But I did like that, you know, his snap percentage increased and the, caught a few balls and scored the touchdown. So yeah. you know, he might be carving a little rollout for himself, and it could be interesting. Always that type of player who we believed in in terms of his just raw abilities, but never put it together on the football field. Yeah. I like, I like Shepard this year. He's been looking good, by the way. Oh, de- definitely the number one target on the Giants offense. I like Shepard a lot, too. Yeah, especially with Galladay continuing to get hurt. See that? He's got another injury popping up. Yeah. And he was already yelling at Danny Jones on the sideline. It's like, dude, Jones was great in terms of his efficiency passing the ball. There were just a couple of drops. and I don't, I don't know how he can be Matt Jones. Yeah. All right, buddy. Do you have any more? Or you want to go to the next segment? Nope. Those, those are the... Uh, <laughs> sit him, uh, start him, and cut him. That sit him, start him, cut him brought to you by all things. <laughs> all right, I buddy. like it. Let's dive into our daily fantasy lineups. We already uh, talked about it, but can you uh, give me your the guys you're going with here for daily fantasy? We got DraftKings lineups pulled up. Tell me who you're yep. going with for week three. So let me just get a brief intro first from last week and how we did. I scored Certainly. 139.9 and I finished in the top 22% of lineups. You finished with 126.7, finishing in the top 41% of lineups. So both of us would have cashed in a head-to-head or a double-up lineup. That's the standard we hold ourselves to and why we make these lineups. So very successful week there. We might not hit the bets, but hey, killed it in uh, DFS. Your highlights, Austin Eckler had a good game, 23. Teddy Bridgewater, 24 points. Chris Carson, 15. Uh, on my floor. end, you did. I, all I, your players, all your players really looked for Higby. Higby yeah. held you back. Yeah. On my end, Cooper Cup really carried the squad, 39.8. I also had Christian McCaffrey, who just is fantastic. So heartbreaking to see him pull his hammy uh, tonight on the field. Yeah, for sure. All right, who's your, who are you going with in week three? Week three, trying to continue the success we had last week. Let me find my entries. Want me to read mine off first? Mm. <laughs> oh, we, got, we'll it here, I got it here. All right. All right. So 
<laughs> Number one quarterback, Kyler Murray, has been the best fantasy player all season. He's only 8,300. He gets Jacksonville. So I think he's just going to score so many points and do yeah. unbelievably blow. That was so uh, tempting. Number two, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I know, I know, but he's only 4,800. It's gotcha. so low for a starting running back, a guy yeah. who was drafted in the second and third rounds That's in the low. preseason. That's it's a low. bad week. It gives me so much roster flexibility, so I love Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Uh, running back two, Tyson Williams, 5,800. He gets to face Detroit. So I'm definitely playing the matchup game. I'm playing the cash game. I'm saving on running backs, spending up a quarterback. Number one wide receiver, I had to go Cooper Cup. He gets to face Tampa Bay. It's like one of the worst pass defenses in He's looked like the best fantasy wide receiver, him and Debo. So I can't miss with the going with Cooper Cup. Number two, Michael Pittman, uh, a guy I really like going against Tennessee. Again, playing that matchup really exploded on the scene last week. I think they'll rely heavily on Pittman, especially if they get down on this game and have to throw to come back. Uh, somebody we just talked about, Sterling Shepard, is my third wide receiver. So getting a guy with such a high floor of like eight or nine catches in Sterling Shepard going against Atlanta, 5,900, I think he's an absolute steal. TJ Hawkinson at tight end, $5,200, priced way too low going against uh, Baltimore there. Baltimore is definitely better against wide receivers. They have a weakness against the tight end. They're actually dead last against the tight end on the season in terms of fantasy points against. In the flex, the guy we just talked about, Cordero Patterson. I think he has a unique role, and for 4,600, I think he makes a fun flex option, especially if he catches a couple passes. And then at defense, I'm going with the Cardinals against Jacksonville. Trevor Lawrence just has looked extremely inaccurate. You know, you, you quoted that 33 or 34% off target rate. That's going to lead to a lot of interceptions, a lot of chances for the Cardinals to score. I love Chandler Jones getting after the quarterback, too, creating some uh, mischief back there in the backfield. I like it, buddy. We and we have some similarities, so I'll go through mine, and you'll see some. You'll see some guys that you have as well. All right, my first guy, my quarterback, my captain on my team, Russell Wilson for the Seattle Seahawks facing the Minnesota Vikings. One of the higher point totals on the week, seventy six hundred for Russ. I like this matchup for him. Saquon Barkley is my RB one, sixty five hundred. I think Barkley has a breakout week this week i think you know barkley if he does not perform well this week i'm pretty worried as a fantasy owner if i'm a barkley guy um because you know he gets a 10 days rest he had an 80 percent plus snap count last week after the i think it was like 40 something in week one so the the snaps are going up the work is going to be going up it's a good matchup against the falcons i like this week for barkley 6,500 for him. And then give me some Jonathan Taylor as in the RB2 spot. 6,700 like for the Indianapolis Colts. I like this. This I like points to be scored in this game. And especially if Wentz doesn't play, which is a possibility. Um, I think, yeah, look, and, and I actually have a Colts receiver. So um, I'm banking on Wentz playing. But if he doesn't, I think Taylor still has a good week because he's going to be somebody that they're going to be, be relying on. Um, my, my wide receiver one, though, here, Cooper Cup, someone you had in your lineup. Yeah. Great, great, stupid cheap. Great game, sixty eight hundred. He's the he's the wide receiver one right now, and he's priced out like a, like a wide receiver ten. Um, so I like this one, this value here. Gonna be a lot of points in that Tampa Bay Rams game. AJ Brown, the uh, the, the number one wide receiver for the Tennessee Titans. He's sixty five hundred. I got me some AJ after the slow start to the season. I think we see some more points in this game, and I think AJ has a good, uh, good game. Maybe eighty yards and a touchdown could be in the books for him. I like the over on his passing yardage total as well as a prop bet. 
Zach Pascal is my wide receiver three. Saving a little bit of money here. 4,800 for Zach Pascal. Someone who's been a major red zone target for Carson Wentz. Someone who actually was pretty optimistic about in the preseason. Just because uh, Michael Pittman's kind of been overshadowing the other opportunities here in this in this wide receiver. And I don't think Michael Pittman is by any means easily the most talented guy. I think Zach Pascal is right there with him. And if Wentz plays, I like Pascal this week. That's a big if, though, because uh, Wentz has the two ankles that are sprained. So keep an eye on that. I might have to make some pivots here heading into the week. But I, right now, I like Zach Pascal. I'm in wide receiver three spot. And then in the tight end, I'm going with the long shot guy. Someone I talked about already on the podcast. Foster Moreau caught a touchdown Ooh. last week. Facing Miami this week. I think Miami could be doomed for a bad game. I like Vegas' offense. Give me some Foster Moreau in the long shot. They're only $3,100. Opened up a lot of opportunities across the board here um, at the tight end position. And really tight end's been sl- in the slow going in the early on right now. Um, in terms of just value across the board, really only the only guys I've been doing well are Kelsey Waller and um, Hawkinson. Really not really a ton across the board besides those three yeah. guys. So if you want to save money, maybe just looking for the tight end uh, who's going to score a touchdown here might be the way to go. There's only 3,100, like I said. All right, a flex spot, Tyson Williams, someone you had as well. This matchup against Detroit bodes well for him. We saw Aaron Jones score four touchdown, touchdowns against Detroit. Let's see five touchdowns from Williams this week. Only 5,800. <laughs> <laughs> and then in my, in my defense spot, I got the Cincinnati Bengals, 2,100, facing the Pittsburgh Steelers offense, who I just don't like this year. I think Pittsburgh's offense is very, very poor. Big Ben's look very slow, can't move in the pocket. I don't think there's a whole lot of value in terms of Cincinnati's abilities in the high end. But they do they do they do they do rush the passer all right. Their secondary is a little bit worrisome, but only twenty one hundred. Like I said, opened up a lot of opportunities to cross my lineup to pay uh, such such little dollar value on the on the defense. So I think that was the better matchup in terms of trying to find like a discounted defense. So Cincinnati against against the Steelers. Yeah, especially if Deontay Johnson doesn't play, that O line is pretty bad. So you you take the safety valve away. Uh, I think that would be a fantastic cheap option at the defense. Yeah, yeah buddy. Any other values? Because I know we had some some guys that were similar. So I feel like we didn't get to cover a whole ton um, across you know the positional the positional stuff. Um, some other guys that I kind of like. You know, maybe like I like Calvin Ridley against the Giants. He's only seven thousand. He's priced lower than Justin Jefferson. And Justin Jefferson, someone's good, but his his price is still seventy two hundred. I like uh, I like yeah. Ridley. Um, I like Hollywood at 5,600 going against he Detroit. Playing, been, though, I, I saw something pop up on the injury report for him. He might not be playing. Uh, he's questionable, um, but it's a maintenance related rather than a setback. So there's okay. a good chance he plays. Uh, and then Marvin Jones is only 4,900. He's got 19 points and 18 points in back-to-back weeks. He's been, he's carved out a very steady role for himself. So at 4,900, I, I, I like his uh, opportunity against Arizona. T. Higgins is someone who's I like too. Ron, yeah, Ron, touchdown in both weeks. Yeah, I, I dude, Rondo Moore is someone I really love, but he's getting priced at five thousand now. So he's getting priced with like Corey Davis, Marvin Jones, Jacoby Myers. Like he's vault. They they vaulted him into a higher status now for week three. I wish he was still like in the four thousands. I, I think Van Jefferson is interesting for a long shot. Uh, for only 3,400. He caught the long touchdown in week one. He uh, is seeing a lot more snaps. He's clearly the guy over Deshaun Jackson in that wide receiver three role. So he's on the field a decent amount. Uh, if those, if you know, he obviously could break one. He's a second round uh, draft pick in his second year. 
and uh, he's seeing a lot more opportunities this year. So week three could could see him uh, make some nice explosive plays against a bad Tampa Bay passing defense. I can see that. I kind of like um, my, my probably my lowest value. I'd be willing to go here. Um, might be forty two hundred for um, for Emmanuel Sanders. I kind of like that matchup for him facing the Washington defense. Um, I think if Allen gets gets the things right here in week three against the Washington defense, that's a little bit overrated. I think that could be an opportunity for him too. I think running backs yeah. keeping an eye on this week. The last guy I just want to mention is Chase Claypool. If Deontay Johnson is out, I think you know his target share just increases. He's only fifty eight hundred. He got in a ton of air yards. They just really haven't connected yet. Uh, so definitely a guy I like. Uh, to me, the biggest value has just got to be Clyde at forty eight hundred. When you look at the different guys he's around in that range, it, it's just kind of ridiculous. He's being priced all the they've way really, down there. They've really moved him um, down, huh? Yeah, he's with J.D. McKissick and Jamal Williams, James Conner, Leonard Fournette, James White, Devin Singletary. Jeremy McNichols is priced more than him. Yeah. Uh, Kenny Drake, I think, is a decent option if Josh Jacobs misses time. Uh, Going against Miami, they they looked okay. Uh, But this Raiders offense looked really good. He might have an opportunity for a touchdown. And he's been getting a ton of passing work consistently. So Kenny Drake, if he's the lone backfield operator for 5,500, I think is a pretty good option. Yeah. I kind of like JD McKissick. Um, we saw we saw last week with Buffalo, uh, Miles Gaskin was able to get some efficient work from the passing game. He didn't have the volume, but McKissick's someone that led the league in targets at, from the running back position last year. Um, and we, he had a great receiving game in week two. Heineke likes him. I think he could be a value at 5,200. I also kind of like Mike Davis at 5,100. I like that matchup against the Giants defense. I, I think that's going to be a decent amount of points in that game. Yeah, I think the the floor you kind of want to go with is probably Cordero Patterson for 4,600 because beyond that, you kind of get down to Devontae Booker, Michael Carter, Felton, Coleman, Gallman. So I think he's kind of the last player if I'm looking for a dirt cheap option at running back that still sees somewhat fair amount of volume, possible double-digit touches. Yeah, if Sony starts too, he's only 4,900. So that's something to keep an eye on too. Any tight ends you got you got your eye on? I kind of like um, the guy that I would be, be considering is actually Kyle Pitts, only 4,900. Um, someone we were very high on had a, a step up in week two. I think 4,900 could be a good deal for Kyle Pitts. Yeah, I just, you know, I, again, I, I keep coming back to the Rams, but I don't think that, you know, if Cooper Cup can't continue this amazing target share, Higby should see a boost himself yeah. after a bad week. He's only 4,000. So yeah. I, I like his opportunity too. Yeah. And Jared Cook, someone else that I'm keeping an eye on too, 3,900. All right, buddy. That's going to do it for our DFS. Can you read off your lineup for me one last time for the listeners? Yeah. So I had Kyler Murray, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, uh, Tyson Williams, Cooper Cup. Hold back up. Uh, Cooper Cup, Michael Pittman, Sterling Shepard, TJ Hawkinson, Cordero Patterson, and the Arizona Cardinals. I like it, buddy. All right, my guys were Russell Wilson, Saquon Barkley, Jam- uh, Jonathan Taylor, Cooper Cup, AJ Brown, Zach Pascal, Roster Moreau, Tyson Williams, and the Bengals defense. A little boom and bust there for you, buddy. We should right. have some positive correlation, you know, with the uh, the different Colts and Rams and mm-hmm. uh, Tyson Williams as well. Definitely. All right, buddy. That's going to do it here for our week three preview. Are you, are you ready for the games? 
It's good shit. It's gonna be oh, a good week. Hell yeah. Dude, I, I can't stay wait. ready, baby. I can't wait for that Bucks Rams game. That's gonna be possibly an NFC championship preview. Those two teams are so good. A lot of fun matchups this week. For sure. All right, buddy. Any last words here before we uh, wrap it up? All things analysis, you know, updating the power rankings. We're going to hopefully have this week updated fantasy rankings uh, with our automated algorithm, Getting uh, taking this season's stats, looking at averages uh, versus, you know, kind of the player's output in the defensive strengths uh, versus the offensive strengths. Uh, and we're going to weight that and, you know, hopefully have some, uh, some actual predictions in terms of player outputs too for specific yardage, touchdowns, uh, attempts, things of that nature. I like it, buddy. Also, to be on the lookout, I'll have my best bets up for the week, um, probably Friday night, maybe Saturday. Didn't do so hot last week, but with the more data under our belt, more ways where we could interpret results, it's only going to get easier from here. <laughs> All right, buddy. That's going to do it here for our week three analysis. Please don't uh, forget to subscribe, rate, and review Vicious Talk with Benny P on all your podcast platforms. Also go to our website, allthingsanalysis.com. Really appreciate all your guys' support and uh, continue to listen to us if you need some fantasy advice and gambling advice going forward. We've been doing really good. Last week was kind of an aberration. It was kind of our, our first step down in a while. And uh, we're going to keep sky's the limit here from here, from here Connor. Only only way we could go up is, is, uh, is up. Only way we can go is up. We got to put a smoke screen over that and just highlight. All right, DFS with three out of four lineups. You know, come on, for sure. All right, buddy, that's gonna do it here for episode eighty-two. We're getting up there, Connor. We're climbing. I think we should get to hundred by the end of the year. But I'm really looking forward to the rest of the season, Easy Connor. Ready. Really enjoying our our weekly podcasts here on Vicious Talk with Benny P. Let me ask you one last question, Connor. Are you vicious? <laughs>